From the beautiful city of West Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Yo, 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 welcome back to Film Forward. It's been a while since our last episode, and it's good to be back. We've been extremely busy revving up for the festival, and we do have some big news that relates to today's episode. May 18th, save the date, LADFF will be hosting a pop-up screening called Ladies' Night, a block of six short films all directed by LA-based women. These are some incredible short films and incredible filmmakers, so you are not going to want to miss this event. Again, May 18th, 7 p.m. at the West Hollywood City Council Chambers. Our next six episodes will be dedicated to this upcoming screening, and we'll get to sit down with each of these incredible filmmakers, get to know them, and sneak peek their films. Some of those filmmakers are here with us today, the makers of Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, Adama Ebo, writer-director, and Adana Ebo, producer. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank and you for, thanks for having us. Thanks for sharing your amazing film with our festival. Uh, this movie really floored me. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I'm not going to lie. It floored, it floored me. Uh, before I start gushing all over it, uh, can you tell the audience a little bit of what the film's about? Sure. So um, we're originally from Atlanta, Georgia, and if you didn't know, the South is all about church, mm-hmm. um, specifically mega churches. There's a huge mega church culture um, in the South and in Atlanta in particular. Um, and when we were growing up, it was all the rage, and there was this one very, very rich and, and popular uh, pastor of a mega church. Um, who would ride in, like, Bentleys and, like, <laughs> wear fitted tees and, like, these suits and, like, like the R&B hats cocked to the side, like, <laughs> trying to be really, 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 like, hip. Mm-hmm. Um, and his congregation was huge. It was, I don't even, ugh, thousands, thousands <laughs> upon thousands. And the, the church grounds were huge. It was, like, Disney World. You had to take, like, like little trams to get around. Um, and so people very much looked up, like, looked up to him, um, gave the church and him all this money. Um, and then it came out that he was having um, relationships with young boys in the congregation. Um, and, you know, the the I feel like logical reaction would be like, this is a bad guy using his money and influence and his apparent uh, closeness to God to wield this power over these young boys. But the community response was baffling, right? Like, Yeah, it was confusing. It was confusing. It was, people were like, oh, but he... he paid off the debt of Lithonia, one of the counties in Georgia. And, like, he, he's done so much for, for the community. Why do we have to even talk about this type of thing? Or he's apologized. So or he's apologized. Just... Yeah, so that's done. Or, like, the boys were 16, right? So they knew what they were doing. They're old enough. Oh, my. Yeah, yeah. like, all types <laughs> of weird rationalization. And we were like, okay, this is weird and concerning. But we were primarily really, really interested in his wife. His wife. Mm. And her response, because initially, like, she left him. She, like, she filed, filed for, for di- divorce. Filed for divorce. Um, and so it was like, okay, so she clearly believes what happened and takes issue with it. Great. But then she backpedaled yeah. um, and said something Essentially, right? Essentially, she said she wanted to be a role model and she wanted for women. And so she was like, I, what would I look like if I gave up this easily? What would what would that say about me as a woman? And what would that say to women who are going through a, a tough time? And I think I was fascinated by the mindset. I was fascinated that her response to that was, she and she is a victim, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that she was placing 
herself almost on his level, that they are like equal partners in this and equal responsibility in, in this terrible thing that he did. Right. Um, and so I sort of viewed her from that point on almost as much of a villain as he was. She's complicit. Yeah. She was complicit. Yeah. You know? um, and so I think the film, one, explores like the kind of bizarre nature of this culture. Of, mega church like, culture. Mega church culture for sure. Um, and the hierarchies within it and how seriously it's taken. Um, but it also, I feel like, one, reflects uh, Lee Curtis, who's the pastor in the film, reflects um, his, his kind of weird struggle because... The pastor in real life, he truly, I think he truly thought like he should be forgiven. Like the the community should forgive him mm-hmm. um, because he is one thing, but also all these other things. Um, but it also explores Trinity, who's the first lady. We call like the pastor's wife the first lady because it's that type of business. Um, we really want to delve into her complicitness because while she is also a victim in a sense, she's very complicit in you know the af- in the aftermath of all this stuff. And I thought it was interesting to try to explore people who are definitely villainous, but have bought into their own hype. Like, they Mm -hmm. don't think that they're that bad. Yeah. Or that they truly believe that they deserve a second chance. Well, I think that's one of the things that that you ladies do so well in the film is specifically the performances of of, of uh, your two leads. You can see... Without them saying it, you see the turmoil inside Mm -hmm. of them. You can see them as they're you know, lying through their teeth, not just to the people they interact with, but like to themselves. You can see that and you can feel that. Can you talk about working with your actors and um, how you guys built these characters together? Yeah, so I was was fortunate enough that both of my actors are Southern. (laughs) Right. Um, So they knew the the scene. They immediately got it. Um, One of them was raised in Atlanta, so he knew exactly who this was like based on and everything. Um, so that part of it was pretty easy. I think the main thing that I would give them as we were shooting was to not be angry at themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some takes and, and some ways that we tried it where you could tell that they were completely like mad at the characters themselves, the actors, and I would have to sort of let them know, like, you take this extremely seriously. Uh, even the comedic parts, uh, I was like, this is serious as hell to you. Um, and this is your life on the line. That is how you're approaching this. You have to save face at all costs or all is lost. Right. Um, and I think that sort of desperation definitely lent it, itself to the uh, – well, it, it evoked that sort of desperation mm-hmm. in the performances. And I think it lent itself both to the to the comedy and the more – when it gets darker – um, those those aspects of the film. So, obvi- I mean, obviously there are, it's a dark subject matter. There's some very real and dark themes in the film, but there's also some really, like, almost slapstick comedic moments in it. When, when did you ladies decide, at what point in the process did you decide to bring the comedic element into it, like, in the writing process, and what, and what draft did you feel like, you know what, this would make a great mockumentary kind of... Uh, I think in the beginning. Very first draft, <laughs> draft number one, yeah. Um, I I am the most attracted to dark comedies and satires, and, mm-hmm. and so I, I knew that whatever I decided to do with this film, it would be that, um, even before I decided on what the subject matter was going to be. Uh, and once I did, I was almost like, well, this is too tragic to depict um, 
straight dramatically. Right. Uh, there, there are just some things that I feel like are so painful that it's that pain is almost heightened by comedy. And I felt I wanted to give myself a challenge for sure. And I felt like, well, you know, um, abuse isn't funny. And, no. and how can I work that in there in order to heighten how terrible this is? Yeah. Um, and so draft number one, and it did take, I wrote maybe like 15 drafts of it. Um, and it's it's not a super long film. I think page-wise it was around 15 pages, 15 or 16 pages. Um, and a lot of that, a lot of those drafts were trying to get the tone exactly right, making sure that it didn't feel like a jump once it went from slapstick to pretty dark. Right. And then there are also just elements of the culture that are just so ridiculous. There was no way that we, it, especially our personal relationship growing up in the South, growing up in the church, there was no way we were going to be able to hand that 100% dramatically. There was just like... Like the outfits that they wear in, in the film. This is how people dress. When this they go is to how people. Yeah, it's like it's like a show. It's it it's 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 a, a per, it's performative. Yeah, it's like very top per, to bottom. It's very performative, and so I, I feel like if if we were to tackle that just only dramatically, very only very seriously, that it, it wouldn't ring true. Um, it would it would ring it would ring false. I feel like and, and not like it wouldn't capture the essence of how the culture really is. I feel like it would take itself a little too seriously, yeah. and I don't feel like the culture even the, the hilarity is that these people do take themselves seriously. Mm-hmm. But on, from the outside looking in, I've had I've brought friends to church before, and they're <laughs> like, "What is this mania?" Yeah. It, it can yeah. be ridiculous it, to somebody. Yeah, who's... yeah exactly. Was, it's ridiculous to me most of the time. <laughs> right. So yeah. um, I think one of the things in particular because this was my thesis film at UCLA, um, and we had like writing workshops and whatnot, and one of the aspects that most people found the most uncanny, most ridiculous, and thought that I made up was the praise miming. Right. Yeah. And I had to tell them, I was like, no, this is a this real is thing. Real. Are you are you serious? It's oh, a, yeah, yeah. 100% <laughs> real. You can Google it and videos will come up, but it's like... So, From years back. Like, yeah. So, like, part of part of the, like, worship process on a Sunday is that we have, like, a, a praise and worship section before the sermon. So there's music, there's dancing, and... Um, it's like a tailgate party before you get in. It is, pra- essentially. Yeah, it's a warm-up. It's like a holy yeah. tailgate. Um, and, like... There's different types of performances, and one of them is praise miming. So, like, dancers would, they'll put on, like, the mime makeup, blast, like, gospel music, Mm. and do this really weird, contorted, like, praise dance in the mime makeup. And, and with my movements. And with my movements. That's the worst. Part. <laughs> yeah. And we don't we don't we don't have anything like we're fine with mimes. Right. But praise mimes it's in just, particular really they they frighten us. We don't we don't like them. Like in church, we're like we make sure that we're never in the aisle because we don't want to be too close to the <laughs> to praise, praise mimes. Um, so we were like, oh, we got to put that in there because it's so it's so ridiculous on its face. People literally thought we made it up. Um, it's so indicative of the culture, and then it's like a way for us to kind of lend our own like <laughs> psychoses with. It's like another step in our relationship with right. church and religion, like another added layer. And it was definitely one of those things where I was like, if I were to approach this dramatically at all, yeah. it, it would it would only be funny. Yeah, right. People, people would it would take. I think it would take people out. They'd be like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, like it does not belong in the world. Yeah. We're talking about praise mimes here on Film <laughs> Forward. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with Adama and Adane Ebo. 
This is Film Forward News, news for all you cinephiles out there. The cinema world lost one of its greats recently when writer-director John Singleton passed away. Singleton was the first African-American to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Director for his film Boys in the Hood. At age 24, he was also the youngest to be nominated for this award. We will be missing him and all his fantastic, fantastic work. In other news, LADFF isn't alone this month with all-female-driven programming. New Beverly Cinema's May calendar is chock full of great movies directed by women. Most of the shows are double features. That's two for the price of one, and as always, all of them are on beautiful celluloid. I plan on being there often, so swing by the first two rows and say what up. That was Cinephile News. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back to Film Forward. We're talking about Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. You ladies are twins. We are. Yeah, let's, all our lives. <laughs> let's, let's talk about working together as siblings. Um, is this the first film you guys done together, or is you guys have been doing no. this for second, a while? Sec- second film? Yeah, the second. Yeah, the second film. Um, it's not a super long while. No, but we've been partners forever. That's true. Partners, <laughs> partners in crime for life. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I think we became creative, like film creative partners, um, after she attended film school, mm-hmm. um, or after I had already started, after she already started film school, um, and I was in law school and having an existential crisis about what I was wanted to do. Cause I quickly found out that was not for me. Um, and she was in her second year at UCLA. Um, so I'd been out here for a while, had met people and she asked me if I thought about being a producer. And I was like, no, like I loved, I've always loved television and film, but always saw myself on the more like legal mm-hmm. business affairs side of things. Um, and not so much in the creative. Um, and she told me that a lot of producers are lawyers and have their JDs and it's a lot of the same skill set. And so she encouraged, at UCLA, it's really cool. They have to make a film every year. Um, and so she encouraged me to produce her second year film, um, to, just to try it out and see how I liked it. Um, and it was like, it was baptism by fire, definitely. A lot of Googling, because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but I fell in love with it. She did a re- uh, an outstanding job. Thank you. Thank you. It, um, it always surprises me when people are good at producing, because I'm not that <laughs> at all. Yeah. Yeah. So I, like, I fell in love with it and figured that's what I wanted to do always. And my most direct way in on the creative side was through my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just worked well together we're like um creatively we're like both like either side of the brain um she's not so much for the producery aspects of things like organization (laughs) or deadlines (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i'm i'm very much so that type of person um so it just it just works um and we're able to communicate well because we've had to forever you guys Um, have a, a little bit of a rapport yeah, a little, little bit of a <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, <laughs> and so it just it just works. It, it clicks. And how was the transition for you, Adane, coming from law school into the film industry? Yeah. The hours for both are, uh, you know, similar. Innocent. Yeah. Right. <laughs> similar. Um, I'm actually still in, like, I work in business affairs at a studio, mm-hmm. um, but have been um, producing a lot on the side, and we have, like, a lot of projects we're working on um, that are getting some traction, so that's 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 good. So the transition has been, 
has been, I've, I've been working here in business affairs for about three years, so I'm ready to make like the hard transition. Right. Um, but balancing that, I feel like has been good because it's heightened my my business sense for for the industry. Um, and then producing on the side has heightened my creative sense. So yeah, um, it's been good. But I'm ready for I'm ready for that move. You're ready for the full the full jump. Yeah. Yeah. The, the industry will be lucky to have you when you make it. <laughs> Adama, can you talk to us a little bit about your writing process? I kind of like talking to other writers and getting a sense of their routines. What, what, when do you feel most productive? Where do you like get your inspiration from? Yeah, um, when I tell her it's time to write, <laughs> when I have a deadline, no, um, I never too early. I'm not a wake up and I, I'm a wake up and write person, but I don't wake up early, right? If, um, unless I have something specific that I need to do, um, and I always have to sort of hang out with myself before I write, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's never the first thing I do. I'll turn, I'll like roll over for a little while. I'll turn on probably some true crime because for whatever reason that relaxes me. <laughs> um, and I, it sounds insane, but maybe right or artists in general are a little bit crazy. But I let the characters sort of talk to me and talk to each other a lot in my brain, um, and that'll start to form scenes. Uh, and whenever it gets too loud, then I sit down to write out whatever it is that's happening in my head. It's it's not a super organized or orthodox way of writing. Like, I don't outline. Right. Um, We've started. <laughs> We've started <laughs> outlining. We, we have. But it, I guess it's gotten to the point where we have so much that it's helpful. Yeah. Um, but usually I don't really outline. Um, I don't do, uh, like, character beat sheets or anything. I sort of just, like, write what I've got at the time. And, um, it's more freeform. It's a lot more freeform. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I let myself find them and and let them find each other and things like that all in this sort of like super loose wavy way um but I do write I believe that I write well and I write quickly uh and so I never unless I'm like down to a deadline feel like this pressure um I'm usually I get what I get and it's usually pretty good no matter how much I procrastinate right (laughs) yeah I feel I feel whenever it's coming from the heart is like when I'm writing fast and it's like my best stuff when I have to like really cram and think about it or if somebody's if it's a project that somebody's giving me that's right it gets a little bit more difficult yeah Yeah. um so guys we'll be right back we're gonna be back with uh our favorite segment give me three with Adama and Adane hey this is Adama Ibo and Adane Ibo and you can see our film Honk for Jesus Save Your Soul at LADFF's Ladies' Night. It's a one-night-only special event, so definitely check it out. It's on May 18th at the City of West Hollywood Council Chambers. So get your tickets today at LADFF.com. All right, we're back with Film Forward. Our guests today are Adane Ibo and Adama Ibo, and they're about to give us three recommendations, films that may have flown under your radar. The segment is Give Me Three. Ladies, let's start with the first one. Sure. I think uh, our first one is Blind Spotting. It came out oh, yeah. last year, um, which I thought it would be bigger, bigger than, it than, it, than it was. I, I was like, like, this is going to dominate the award season. Wow. And I, I definitely thought, I, I think it was my f- definitely top three, one of my top three favorite live action films mm-hmm. of, of last year. Um, 
uh, we, I mean, it's a dark comedy. It's exactly what we love, especially yeah. I feel like with a topic like police brutality, which is very, very specific to the black community, and we are of the black community. And gentrification. And yeah. gentrification. Um, I just, I, I was pretty sick of seeing just like tragedy porn about police brutality, and this tackles it in such a fresh way that I'm like laughing and like, Having a heart attack, like back to back yeah. to back. You're laughing. You're crying. It's it's like it, it's it's fantastic, and I I love the integration of of the the um the slam poetry. Mm-hmm. It's just like it to me. It's a beautifully done film, and I thought I think it was slept on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was Anselm's, I think, favorite of last year. Yeah, so yeah. Good. I think we saw it like three times. We did in theater. <laughs> so get all my money. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's our first one. I'm excited to see what those guys come up come out with. Oh next. yeah, they're, them as a creative team. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they're we good. Should, I want to work with them. <laughs> uh, all right, your second ladies. Um, we're gonna say Anomalisa. Oh. Yeah, um, we're big fans of animation. Mm-hmm. We're not animators ourselves, but we just love the medium for as sure. a way of telling stories and all and have forever probably. Yeah. Um, and stop motion in particular is such. I believe an undervalued but gorgeous form of animation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always a, it's always a treat. It's, it's just always it, whenever I get it, I'm like, yay! People are still doing this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I think I, stop motion animation is always a treat. I feel like it's it's undervalued, and I wish there were more of it. But Anomalisa in particular, I think it's I think it was an amazing idea by Charlie Kaufman's amazing mind, I guess, to do an adult stop-motion animation film, um, a feature at that, because I feel like mm-hmm. we get adult animated television series, which yeah. are great, but like it's very rare to get adult animated feature films. And in America. In America, in America for sure. Yeah. In America, yeah. Um, and and to, to tackle the, the topics that he was tackling, and I, I tell people, after I first saw the film, I said... This is the most realistic sex scene I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's for stop sure. Stop motion animation, yeah. right. puppets, little yeah. tiny puppets, <laughs> yeah. and I was, it's it's gorgeous. It, it makes you like laugh. Mm-hmm. I was laughing definitely in the beginning, and it makes you very introspective. I think it's it's top notch work for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, and your third and final ladies. Uh, we said burning. Oh yeah. Oh man, that was my favorite of last year. I, that was also <laughs> slept on, right? Arguably, like I was so I just knew it was gonna get a, a best uh, foreign, foreign film. film. No, no, there were a lot of good foreign films this year. I'm not gonna lie, but sure. there were. But Burning was just like talk about an emotional roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Talk about handling tone spectacularly. Like yeah. literally, you go into the film. And it, if it's like, okay, this is going to be like a sort of like quiet, quaint drama, um, character study. Like, I, I can get with that. And then just very slowly yeah. ramps up and turns into something completely different. Then, yeah. And by the time you get to that final scene, you're like, what did I do? Yeah, yeah. it's like, what, you're, where you're, are we? It's like, where are we? And it's, it's, but it's all earned. You it's know? All Absolutely. Earned. It's all earned. And the performances, my God, spectacular. Like, Steven uh, Ewan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never seen him in anything like this before. In that kind of a role, uh, I was just absolutely floored by by all of the actors, mm-hmm. by every inch of the directing. Yeah. I was I was like, this is this is a movie people need to see and people need to know about. And yeah. I 
whenever I bring it up, people are always like, oh, what's that? And I'm like, no, yeah, <laughs> you know about it. It's yeah. on Netflix now if people want to watch it. Oh, it's is on it? Netflix? It dropped. Oh, you guys need to watch dropped. it if it's yes, on Netflix. Please, guys, watch it. It's it's amazing. Or it's come worth... to, I have it on Blu-ray also, so right, come yeah. to my house. I bought it on Amazon Prime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, everyone watch it. It's worth it. The attention to detail oh. uh, is, is breathtaking. It like, is. I've, I've seen it, I think, three times, and every time I watch it, I just find other more things that are just like, look at that. Yeah. It's just meticulous. Filmmaking. Everything is really everything is. is super intentional. Yeah. Even if you don't realize it when you're in that scene, mm-hmm. later on you realize, oh, like, duh. Right. Like, he's yeah. an artist. Like, it, it, it's everything super intentional. It's definitely one of those films that you, I, I think, deserves and warrants multiple viewings. Oh, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, those are a fantastic three, ladies. <laughs> a fantastic three from uh, some fantastic filmmakers. Thank you. Uh, Thank I you. hope... I hope you all join us on May 18th. Come check out their film, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. Adama Ibo and Adana Ibo, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you guys for having us. Yes, we'll see you on May 18th. Thank Thank you. you. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.